You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repack. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck is presented by SportBuff, where right now, if you go to their website and use the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10, you can save 10% off of your order. Head on over to SportBuffShop.com. How's it going, bud? I'm doing very well. A very happy birthday to you. Thank you. I can imagine the many, many times that I've had, I've actually done a podcast on my birthday. It's uh, seems to be a lot of my friends that always seem to have had birthdays. It was like a birthday week, usually type of thing. You and I aren't at that point yet. So unless you're going to change your birth date or I'm going to change mine. Um, <laughs> highly unlikely. Yeah, highly unlikely. Um, but yeah, thanks, bud. It was pretty cool. Hey, I I will admit, um, and if anybody who was checking out social media saw this today, it's coolest thing when you get a phone call from our quarterback, Vernon Adams, uh, to wish me a happy birthday and to also to, you know, thank me for being a long time, uh, season ticket holder. That's, that means a lot, you know, uh, not, you know, same thing with what Gino did a few weeks ago. I, I mean, it's even cooler to get two calls from these guys. That, I think that's really, really cool. So, uh, you know, thanks again uh, for the uh, wonderful memory, uh, VA, and uh, looking forward to seeing you, bud, over in uh, Troyes-Vers in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. There you go. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, just the fact that the Alouettes, like a lot of their players are calling season ticket holders just to thank them for being a part of the team, so to speak, and to, you know, you know, let them know that they're appreciated. I, I think it's fantastic. It's a great initiative. I'm glad the team is doing it. I'm glad the players are volunteering their time to pick up the phone and and just reach out to each and every one of Alouette's nation. Mm-hmm. It, it's a tremendous thing, and I hope it's something that they keep on doing for years to come. Yeah, it, it, I think the Alouettes are finally getting back, uh, making a name for themselves in the community after, it, it, you know, the, I would really say that their reputation really did take a hit. I mean, not just, you know, COVID aside, but I think they start, you know, it did kind of wane a little bit, uh, you know, their how they were in the community, I'm sure, because, you know, it's not necessarily that it was stale or anything like that, but it was, I, I don't know. To me, I, it, it, that's just my opinion. I don't know what you think about that, Cliff, though. Mm. No, I mean, the past couple of years, let's not forget, have been challenging, to say the least, for mm. everybody. Yeah. So to expect things to be the way that they were, you know, it's just not going to happen. But the fact that the Alouettes kind of recognize that I'll just take some time. It's just something simple, like reach out to your season ticket base and just say, hey, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for sticking with us, despite everything that's been going on. And just to let you know that we got your back. You got our back, but we got your back, too. I mean, that that speaks volumes. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, you tell a friend, you, you tell your coworkers, you know, like, hey, guess who just called me on the phone? You know, like what a great experience as far as I'm concerned. And this is one of those things that people catch on to, they realize, and I don't know if anyone's ever going to invest in season tickets just based on the fact that they might get a phone call from their favorite player. But you know what? I've seen people renew or subscribe to season tickets for weirder things than that. So, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. is just a little bit of engagement and it goes such a long way. And yeah. once again, the Alouettes really, they're really onto something here by getting in touch with each and every one of their season ticket holders just to say thanks, just to, you know, show appreciation for their support. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's just going to pay off in the long run. I'm curious to know, and we really don't know this. I mean, any other uh, fans of teams that are listening to the podcast now, does your team has your, had, does your team do this or has your team done this in the past? I've not heard of anything. I mean, I, I would expect, I mean, I would, I mean, Saskatchewan, I, something I would expect. Uh, Edmonton, not recently, but Edmonton, I would think that they would have done. Uh, maybe need to ask Andrew or Super Mike about that one. Maybe they'll know, or Kayla, maybe maybe she'll know. Um, uh, BC, maybe. Uh, 
you know, reach out to Marcia, see if, see if, uh, if she, if that's happened for them, but you know, it's b- initiative. That's all that matters. And gee, you'd think that the league may take me, may, may pick up on a little bit of this stuff, you know, but you know, think? it's early, it's early, I guess I'll give him a mulligan for now. There you go. <laughs> yes. An Ambrosie mulligan. So, um, just as a reminder, by the way, cause we will, uh, we are really taping early this week for a particular reason. Uh, but just as a reminder that the, uh, Randy's road trip Montreal edition will be occurring next Tuesday, May 10th. Uh, it's going to be happening at the big O, uh, potentially we might be able to see, you know, catch a look-see at the, at the brand new helmets. We'll see. Uh, if not, I'm sure we'll catch them at, uh, obviously we will catch them at, uh, at, uh, camp. Uh, but yeah, if, um, you know, if you haven't gotten your email already, uh, or if you have to remind, uh, tell the team that you are going to be attending, make sure you do so. I don't know if there was a, a time limit on when they sent the, t- the reminder, the, I guess the rescheduling out earlier. So I don't, re- I don't, I have to go back and check, but, uh, yeah, just as a reminder, all fans, it is going to be occurring. And I, th- I think it's the last of them because with Randy having to reschedule, I mean, I could be wrong because it's really been, there's been no hype for this. I don't get this. Yeah, it's almost been like an afterthought, which I, I don't know if that's by design or if it's just the circumstances of everything that's kind of gone around as far as maybe dealing with CBA stuff, maybe dealing with mm-hmm. the league in general. Yeah. It's so hard to say, really. And then, of course, he did actually test positive for COVID, which is the reason why Montreal's stop on the road trip didn't happen initially. So, yeah, I mean, it could be any number of things. But listen, at least it's an event trying to engage fans, trying to get let people come and you know participate in a town hall meeting and just have your say if you want to. I mean, that's it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's a great thing. So, I mean, if you've got a chance to take advantage of it and if you think you've you missed the boat, you may not have. Your best bet would be to contact the Alouettes and see if your invitation that you were you had gotten initially is still good. Yeah. And get on board if you can. Hey, for sure. Uh, yeah, and we're talking about training camp too. I think the only other news, really league news that we've heard recently, is that the uh, CFLPA did their normal. I don't want to call it due diligence, due diligence, but they they follow their script, and they're asking um, they're asking their their members slash players for a mandate to strike. It's as it's been put out by. Um, the three down nation. It's just a formality. They have to do it. It makes sense um, because it, it maybe it will put more pressure on the league depending on where they're currently at in their negotiations. Um, so I mean, it's, I, I'm I'm not scared about it because you know, as I said, it, it seems to be what they normally do when they get to this point. We've been down this road so many times, and it's. It's part of the process. So, I mean, that's why I'm not even giving it a second thought to tell yeah. you the truth. Yeah. I mean, it's just, listen, you know, the, the time to worry is, you know, the eve of training camp if there's no CBA deal. And then all of a sudden players report, but then they're not going to participate because that was they were tw- told to. Rep- and it happened last time that occurred was 2019, right? Then we have a dis- I believe, yeah, slight delay in 2019. We had a, a very slight delay. Yeah. But so I'm, you know. I'm I'm hoping for the best as always, but preparing for the worst. And honestly, I like I think this is really just part of the process. It's part of the, you know, what the necessary steps that have to be taken. So let's let's hope that's all it is, and it's just a matter of like, like I, I don't know about if it's necessarily about putting pressure on because I mean like you're less than two weeks from camp starting. So I mean yeah. I think if if this was like a pressure tactic, fine. I guess pressure's on now. But I mean I guess we'll see just how. How serious it's taken. So yeah, and I thought the results because it, it was announced over the weekend that they were doing this, and I, I didn't know if the results were going to be counted. Did you read the story? I think it was either that they they're going to be announced either to tomorrow or Wednesday. I think it was possibly Wednesday. I guess with the draft going on, like I mean, the, the league's obviously going to be very busy tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's. Well, it's okay. Like once the draft is over, then you don't have that distraction to worry about anymore. So yeah, true. And to the reason that we are early this week is specifically because of what is happening tomorrow. And what is that, Cliff? That would be not only the CFL national draft, 
but also the CFL Global Draft. It is officially 100% draft day tomorrow. Does that, does that mean so, I also have to watch the movie with Kevin Costner? Uh, you can if you want to. Uh, I've, never I, seen, I, I've never seen I, it, actually. No? No. Me neither. Okay, I, there we go. <laughs> I know it's got it's to do with the Cleveland Browns, and I yeah. don't give a rat's ass about the Cleveland Browns. I'm sure you don't either. No, no especially because they're in, in my team's division. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we are. Yeah, this is this is the time of year. Obviously, many CFL fans love Cliff adores. I'm sort of meh, but I you know I go along with it because it is part of the you know it is part of what's happening in the CFL. I still got to keep up to date somehow, you know. Um, but uh, we had uh, JC Abbott on with us this week. He will bring bringing him in in a couple of minutes and talk about the CFL draft. And he's he's from a Three Down Nation and. Uh, a lot of great insight, I will admit. I'm I'm expecting from him on what the uh, what the league's up to, and mo- and obviously more importantly, what the what the Alouettes are looking to do uh, tomorrow. Hmm. No, I, I'm expecting him to come in with some great perspective and uh, just sharing his thoughts. I mean, like you see the mock drafts, you see a lot of the talking heads, so you know, chiming in, offering their thoughts of what's going to happen tomorrow, and you know. Just to cut through all the nonsense, I mean, that's what JC does more than anything else is he gets right down to the meat and bones of everything, and he just presents the facts, and he just tells it like it is. And that's what I I appreciate about his writing, and I know he's going to bring it exactly just like that here on the flight deck this evening. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, just just looking at what we have here in front of us, don't, don't other seem to be anything else – uh, that we need to talk about that's uh, Alouette's related because it's, it's been sometimes it's been very tough, you know, as we know at the beginning of the of the new broadcast season, it sometimes there isn't a lot to talk about. But next week, obviously, there's gonna be tons to talk about with Randy's road trip and the Owls picks and and yeah, some interesting stuff, just some interesting stuff that I'm sure that, that we're gonna hear about. And uh, who has the best coverage, you know, who is the best coverage? So, <laughs> so. Um, anyways, you know what? I think without further ado, hey, Cliff, that being said, I think we're going to go ahead and bring JC in uh, and to talk about the draft. And uh, when we get back, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see if there's a little bit more to talk about. And to talk with this, this episode about the upcoming CFL draft, we have JC Abbott from Three Down Nation. Hey, JC, thanks for joining us. How you doing, guys? Doing good, doing good. Looking forward to see what's going to be happening in the CFL draft coming up this Tuesday. And actually, not only the CFL draft, we got the global draft too. But, um, you know, for the Alouettes, it is a very, very interesting draft considering this is the first time we might as well get the elephant out, you know, get the elephant out of the room. For the first time since 2018, that the Alouettes are going to be having a first round draft pick. We finally get rid of that whole Johnny Man. We should we should call this something, Cliff. Uh, Johnny Manziel curse, the Johnny Manziel, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the last time we had a first round draft pick was 2018 for, with Trey Rutherford. Pomp and circumstance. Cliff and I remember seeing him at the Alouettes uh, meet and greet that they had uh, that year, and he's out of football. So JC, something that the Alouettes haven't done since 2018. How important it is, is it for the Owls to have this first-round draft pick? It's super important. And I think they've done fairly well with where they've drafted over the last couple of years. You'd see some some young Canadians that, that have risen in the ranks, like uh, a Keon Julian Grant um, coming into his own, uh, a Marc-Antoine Decroix, mm-hmm. uh, guys like that. I've been impressed with their performance. But there is sort of a lack of, of big-name stars, as it were, among the Canadians. They're very solid across the board, but other than Chris Ackie, um, you know, there's not necessarily a a marquee name, even along the offensive line. And so this first-round pick will give them a chance to hopefully take a guy that can contribute early and stick around for a long time and, and potentially, you know, become that marquee name down the line. It would be nice. I mean, uh, as I said, I mean, it's and I think that the that the draft, though, and as we've heard over the past couple of years, JC, is that they've you know, it's everybody understands it is the Canadian draft. 
you know that's that's what they people need to remember too and that even last year i think it was that uh danny mack even said you know where we're 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 drafting for the future now when you hear a, a gm say that about the canadian draft is it something that you agree with you know in the long run or do you feel that sometimes the cfl teams needs to draft for that current season it's a bit of a double-edged sword um I think it's true to an extent because for most Canadians, even the top end ones, it's going to take you a good three years before they really come into their own as a, as a pro. And that's just the nature of a lot of them coming from youth sports, um, you know, not as much uh, high level coaching, not as much high level training. Um, you know, when you're in youth sports, it's not the same as, as the NCAA football is not your entire life. You'll have guys, you know, missing pregame walkthroughs to, to go take tests and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is a big jump in competition and guys need uh, that development. So you want to have an eye to the future with the draft. You don't want to have to be in a position where you're drafting for right now. At the same time, if that's your entire strategy, I, I think you do miss out because there are a few guys every year who are going to contribute right away, usually on special teams, but there are starters to be found in every draft. And if you're not attacking this draft with the idea that I want guys who can help me right now, if you stand pat, especially these teams that think I don't really have any needs, sometimes you'll turn around and through injuries or, you know, two years down the line, a, a guy leaves uh, because of he gets a bigger contract somewhere else or somebody surprise retires. You find yourself in a situation where you're missing that Canadian talent because you've drafted guys, um, who are going to take some time to develop versus ones who can help you right now. And the extreme example of this that always comes to my mind is the Ottawa Red Blacks. And I knew, I knew the Red Blacks were about to go downhill uh, after I think it was the 2019 draft. Uh, Marcel Desjardins drafted, I think with his last four picks, three or four picks, each one of them was spent on a guy who was sort of, not seeing as a major prospect, sort of a surprise. And he said specifically, I drafted each of these guys because they had eligibility remaining. I want to send them back to school because we don't need an upgrade in Canadian talent right now. And for me, that was a huge red flag. I'm like, oh, that's going to come back to bite them. And sure enough, very quickly, they went from a very strong Canadian core to a very weak one. It resulted in, in two losing seasons. And then, of course, Desjardins is out the door. So you have this double-edged sword where you do have to be aware of the future element here. Like if you're drafting all for the future, you're going to screw yourself over. Yeah. And also, and I, I had to correct myself too. I mean, the Owls did draft for somebody uh, who started last year in David Cote, and he was a great pickup uh, mm. for the Alouettes you know, last year in the fifth round. So, I mean, everybody – but he is special teams, as you said, JC, but still, um, so, you know, somebody who was able to start – um, lastly, before I let Cliff talk here, what's your thought on the, cause you've seen the, the lists, uh, you know, the rankings for all the eligible Canadians. And obviously the, the huge question too is, you know, if a lot of these guys, uh, have potential NFL careers, um, why do you, why do you think that, um, you know, some of these teams may take, uh, take a shot at these guys, even though it may be like three, maybe four, if they decide to do that years down the line to come to the CFL. Why, why make those choice? Why make those, uh, those picks? Drafting at the end of the day is, is just a, a gamble. So for every player, right, there's nobody is very good at evaluating football players, even the best evaluator in the world, the best evaluator in the NFL. If you're really good, you're going to miss 50% of the time. That's just the nature of it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's unpredictable. You can't project guys. Um, so if, if you're making a gamble on every single player at a certain point in a draft, you may see a guy in front of you where you think the gamble is, is so bad on that guy becoming a player that it's actually a safer bet to take a gamble on a better player uh, on the likelihood that he'll come north. So you're playing the odds in that sense of is this potential fourth round, fifth round pick that I see that can come in right now is what he can potentially give me as good as the 50% chance of what this guy who may have an NFL opportunity can potentially give me mm-hmm. uh, in the 50% likelihood he comes to my team. 
I think sometimes teams make the wrong call on that. They're uh, too, they jump on those NFL guys a little bit too early for my liking when there's still good, competent U sports players on the board, guys that come in and, and eventually develop into players. Um, but at the end of the day, there, there is a place in the draft to make those long-term gambles. Uh, now, it's not going to have a major effect on this draft just because of the unique situation that we're in right now. There's, there's only two guys in this draft class uh, that have actual um, NFL contracts or, or were drafted. That's John Mechie and Jesse Lucetta. Um Three other guys have minicamp uh, invites, but those pretty rarely turn into contracts. So you're in a, a safe situation uh, begging that those guys will be in camp. In, in past years, we've seen far more guys with NFL contracts, uh, just the way the cards fell this year. It's not going to have a huge impact, but I could see this dynamic playing out with Jesse Lucetta because he fell to the seventh round in the NFL draft. So somebody is going to take him earlier than we might've thought in this draft yeah. because he fell so far. Makes sense. Yeah. Cliffy. All right. All right. Well, JC, I've identified for the Alouettes as far as needs go when they get up, when the, when their turn is called to uh, make a draft pick, I I think they really need to rebuild the the defense because I think the the defense as a whole has definitely taken a shot as far as free agency goes. Like they've lost a lot of good players, and ideally you'd want to rebuild there. I'm also taking a look at the offensive line and saying, well, you can never have too many good Canadian offensive tackles or, or sorry, offensive linemen for that matter. Uh, where have you identified some of the Alouette's needs uh, if they're different from what I've suggested? I think you're spot on with your assessment there. Um, to me, I think they need to add some depth at defensive back. Uh, that's really a, a spot where, where I see them, them desperate to get a player. Marc-Antoine Decois is projected as the starter at safety, but behind him, they've got Jermaine Gabriel, who's a little bit long in the tooth at this point, And then, it's just uh, Kerfalo Zume, who is mostly just a special teams player and not really a safety. So you need some some guys in that defensive backfield that can at least uh, compete in camp and, and potentially push the Um You might need some guys on the defensive line as well uh, with David Menard leaving. And then the offensive line depth, I think, is, is the other area that you really need to address. Um, they were solid across the board. Uh, with their starting four Canadians on the offensive line last season. None of those guys are really sort of big name draft picks or, or, or stars, if you will. Um, but they were solid as a group, right? The sum of their parts was better than any one individual. But if you look at the guys behind them, I'm not sure they have uh, another guy who can step into the role at the same level. You've got Kovena uh, Asare, who's, who's bounced around a lot as a practice roster guy. Patrick Davis, I think they're higher on him than I am. Uh, he came out of Syracuse, but barely played in college. Then you've got the big man, Samuel Thomasin from, from Laval, uh, who has some, some movement issues in my regard just because of his size. And then David Brown is, is the best of the bunch, who's a guy who, who couldn't stick in Calgary. Um, has has upside, uh, but but struggled with injuries. So I think you need to to find a guy on the offensive line, maybe in the second round that you can stick in there to have some comfort at that position. Um, the one other place I would look is at the receiving core. Um, you're going to probably start two there, or you might start two there with uh, Keanu Julian Grant and Herbie Mayala. Uh, you have the potential to start two, not that they need to. Um, but then beyond that, they have a couple of drafted free agents and Rashawn Simonize uh, on their roster. So I'd like to add a, a receiver at some point in the draft uh, just to flesh out the depth there as well. All right. Uh, to me, I think without quite without question, I think barring something crazy, it will be, end up being Enoch McConzo from Coastal Carolina that gets drafted for in the first round by the Alouettes. I mean, it checks off all the boxes as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Outstanding defensive player for the Chanticleers, uh, Quebec-born guy. Uh, so that right away is right in uh, Danny Mac's wheelhouse. Is there a potential scenario, though, where they don't go with Makonzo and they maybe think about going after someone, even if they're not a Quebec-born player? I could see that scenario. Now, I agree with you. Enoch Makonzo is the guy who makes the most sense. 
And I think he's probably the right value there at four. Uh, I think on the three down board, we have him fifth ranked. So that's rag in that spot, rag in that range. Um, for me, what you might find in the situation with Enoch Bacanzo um, is, is you may question where you're going to play him. So he, when he was at Coastal Carolina, he played what they call the spur linebacker role. So he was actually down in the box, sort of like a strong safety, but he covered the slot as well. So very versatile, rushed a lot off the edge, was fantastic at run defense, but didn't play up high a whole ton uh, like he might if, if you think he's a safety behind Marc-Antoine Decor or someone who can uh, challenge for that role. I actually think he could play Sam linebacker in the CFL. I'm not sure how many other people agree with me on that, but I think his skill set would lend would lend itself well to that position. Um, the question is, he's a he's a little bit thin. Uh, he hasn't run a forty for any team, so you're not sure really how rangy he is at top. And the one problem he really did have at Coastal Carolina, he had some missed tackle issues, mm-hmm. particularly in space because he plays super aggressive, but he doesn't really come to gather before the tackle. He just sort of shoots the gap or or shoots into space. It's super disruptive as a force player against the run. Um, but if you stick him up high at, at safety, do you worry about him making missed tackles with all that open field in the CFL? So if you're Danny Mack and, and you did recruit him and you feel like some of those issues have validity, maybe that's not where the place where you go. However, I think it's a good fit for the Alouettes, what they need in terms of the defensive backfield. And they drafted his brother uh, last year, Ethan Mazzo, who was a safety for Danny Mack uh, with the Montreal Carabas. So the connections for me uh, make it to the fit uh, to think they'll go anywhere else. Okay. Now, what about uh, offensive line? I think the automatic question or the automatic answer, I guess, to that question would be Cyril hogan Sando from Laval because, again, it once again checks off all the boxes. But I'm personally a little concerned because historically – Laval's offensive linemen just don't seem to last very long in the Canadian Football League. Is there a pick that Danny Machocha can make that would still work, but you know may not necessarily be uh, you know uh, one of those Quebec-born players? I think so. Um, personally, I, I don't think Hogan Sandow is going to be there when they get their next pick in the second round. Um, he has the potential to go late in the first or early in the second. He'll be probably off the board. Uh, if the Alouettes do go Makonzo in the first. Um, so you're going to have to look elsewhere. Um, and I think some of these guys could could potentially fall into their lap. But someone like a, a Zach Fry might be someone who falls in this draft por- uh, process because of some uh, question marks uh, regarding his strength and his, his commitment to the weight room. He might be a guy that you can pick up a little bit later in the draft who's got sort of high-end athleticism, high-end size, uh, was a very good player at Western. And if you think shape him uh, in your strength and conditioning coach can really get on him, maybe that's a player that you can add uh, to your offensive line. Uh, and another guy is, is Braden Knoll uh, from Wilfred Laurier could be a, a depth pickup um, a little bit later in the draft, very versatile guy uh, played up and down the line. And then I think the, the last one, another Quebec guy, um, and he's going to be the wild card of this draft. Um, but we've seen the Alouettes before take some very large individuals. Uh, I mentioned Samuel Thomasin, uh, just a very large dude. And there's a kid by the name of Mark David Bien-Aimé, um, who hasn't played since uh, 2019, guys. He only played one game at Fresno State, and, and then because of COVID and other reasons, uh, chose to come back to Montreal. He's actually been working at a local women's shelter. He is six foot five and 365 pounds. Whoa. He was recruited to play tackle by, uh, by Jeff Tedford. And he's entered in this draft. He wants to make a comeback uh, into the CFL. Now, I, there is not tape on Mark David being a May. Uh, you, know, you, you cannot find that. He has not played since he was in high school. So for me, it's a, it's a big gamble. It's not something I would necessarily do. But we've talked about how Danny Mack has these relationships with guys through the recruiting process. He'll be very familiar with that player far more than anyone else in the league. And I wonder if that's someone who later in the draft, maybe the Alouettes target 
uh, or feel strongly about um, and, and pick him up as, as some offensive line depth. You kind of answered my uh, next question because I was going to say, is there a draft pick out there that would be like one of those WTF kind of guys? And I have to agree with you because that, like, so that's someone who I thought about too because, again, those measurables are very hard to ignore. But at the same time, as you said, there's little to no film on the guy. So we just, you know, it's very much a, uh, a shot mm-hmm. in the dark, if you will. Yeah, and those things have happened in, in the CFL draft before where you get guys who are either retired or uh, have been out of the game for a few years that come in and, and typically go you know higher than you might expect. Uh, some of the names that come to mind, and, and they haven't all been good draft picks, but um, a from Western, now I'm blanking on his name, a few years ago who was retired. And no one thought he was playing. And then Chris Jones drafted in the fourth round. And now that wasn't a success. But a few years later, uh, there's a kid out of the University of Hawaii, uh, Tui Eli, who had retired. But uh, uh, Danny McManus in Winnipeg had a good personal relationship with him, found out he wanted to come back and actually drafted him in the fourth round as well. And he became a very, very solid backup uh, for the Bombers and I think would probably be in the mix to start this year uh, if it weren't for the fact that uh, I think there's va- some vaccination issues on that front with him and he has not re-signed. But these players do come around uh, that are, you know, no one has any idea about them. They haven't played in a couple of years, but because they have certain traits that teams value highly, particularly size and the ability to move with that size, sneak into uh, places in the draft where you wouldn't expect them to go. All right, let's switch gears for a second here and talk about the global draft, which is also happening this Tuesday. Uh, Montreal's got the first pick in the global draft. Uh, do you see them possibly trying to address some of their needs uh, with some of the players that are available there? It's going to be a, an interesting situation with the global draft. I, I really don't know where uh, it's all going to shake out. Um, I don't think they need a punter because Joseph Zima was pretty good last year, so... That throws it all off because all you do is take punters in the global draft, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, there could be a couple good players available. Uh, quite frankly, this year, guys, uh, there's been some complaint that the quality of, of the global draft has not taken a step forward like it did last year, but rather a step back. Uh, it's not as good a player pool as it was last year. Uh, but there is a name to me that sparks a, a lot of interest you would be an interesting player for the Alouettes to consigne, consider at, at number one. And that's uh, Jordan Genmark Heath, uh, who's a Swedish linebacker uh, who played first at Nor- Notre Dame and then uh, transferred uh, to UCLA with a, a full-time starter for UCLA last year. And a lot of people thought he was going to sign as an undrafted free agent in the NFL, and he hasn't yet. He is not under contract with anyone, which has surprised me. So you've got the, the global draft coming up here in two days. If his situation doesn't change, this is a guy that, that might be near the top of, of many teams' draft boards because of the athleticism that he brings to the table at the linebacker position at six foot one, two 228 pounds. This is funny because like, I remember watching the combine and seeing uh, Edris John Alphonse and uh, mm-hmm. who else was there? Bailey Devine Scott. And I thought those would be excellent fits for the Alouettes. And again, with uh, Edris, I mean, obviously being a Laval guy, once again, we're going back to the same uh, the same narrative again about you know Danny Machocha going after all the local guys, so to speak, <laughs> even though this is technically a global draft. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I think the global draft, it should be interesting because, again, I, with Montreal having the first pick, it'll be interesting to see which direction they go because it almost feels like a gimme, so to speak, like just sort of like, mm-hmm. a, like a, a free space on the bingo card because – Nobody's really expecting anything, I think. Like, your average Alouette fan, I, I don't think, is even aware of this, let alone cares about which player, like, which international player they go after. So, I mean, you can almost take a, a, you know, take a real shot in the dark and see if something shakes out. You can. I, I think you want someone who can, at the very least, contribute on special teams early. Uh, to me, that's, that's the big requirement. Uh, uh, Jean Alphonse is fantastically fast. Just, just so quick. But you didn't play a lot at the U Sports level. You, you question how that might translate. It really warms my heart that you bring up Divine Scott uh, because uh, he's a guy actually 
uh, who's in the global draft, uh, partly because I was able to to do some scouting on him. Uh, I'm affiliated with a company called All 22 Global Scouting, who works with uh, international players, and, and we selected Divine Scott as a as a player out of Division Three Western New England, and we got him sent to the Tropical Bowl this year uh, in Orlando, Florida, so some some teams could see him there. Uh, just a fantastic kid, super smart, a really talented engineering student, uh, and a guy I think can contribute on special teams uh, in that vein. Uh, was immensely productive at the Division Three level. So I, I really do like the names you brought up. Um, but for me, at the, at the top pick, you want to take high-end traits uh, and you want sort of a bigger body that can contribute on special teams. And so... Um, I, I'm not sure if in the defensive backfield that's where they'll go um, with that pick. That's fair. As I said, it, it's one of those situations that's kind of still, I'd say, new ground, especially for the Alouettes, because mm-hmm. I don't like they're, I, I believe the first global draft they picked, I think it was, it was third overall. And then last year, I think they took uh, seventh overall. So, I mean, like to be able to have their first pick of anything is. Uh, I definitely think uncharted territory for the Alouettes. Definitely. Uh, there is another name with a, a, a French connection that I'll bring up. Another guy who wasn't at the, the CFL combine, but I'm, I'm quite high on uh, Wael Nasri. Uh, he's a, a linebacker who, who played at Concordia for a season uh, from France. Uh, and, and last year he was the top linebacker in the European league of football, which is a, a new league that's, that's cropped up there. Uh, he's got good size. I think he moves pretty well for, for the position. Uh, and he's got another co- uh, Quebec connection, as do a lot of these French guys. Um, so maybe there is, is a chance that they go with, with someone with those French connections up high in the draft. Well, there you go. So, I mean, that this is where you find those diamonds in a rough, potentially. So this is, like I said, this could, be, this could end up being a real shocker for a lot of people, especially those who are expecting the national combine to, or the national draft to fill those spots. But then... Who knows? Maybe this global enterprise could be the new way to go about it. And I, I think that's probably a stretch as it stands right now, that it's going to be a, the new way to go about it. But I, I think with your first pick, uh, there's a potential that you can add uh, at least someone who can contribute early um, on special teams. And, and that's what you want. Uh, the depth really isn't there this year, um, but there will be some intriguing futures picks late, late in the draft guys that, We'll get NFL opportunities through the the IPP program, or have signed as as undrafted free agents. There's a couple of guys in this class um, that you might have to wait on, um, but we'll hear some of those names called, I suspect, um, in that third round, even in that second round of the draft. People like uh, Marcel Dabo, the German defensive back who played in that European League of Football, uh, and uh, has an 11 foot broad jump and runs a 4-4 four, four at 206 pounds. Uh, just a freak athlete. Guys like that, I think, will get picked as, as futures guys. Uh, and that might be a place where there's value in the global draft. Uh, if they come north, um, those are tremendous. Perfect has not happened yet with those guys because we're in the global three or process. Uh, but most teams have taken a, a futures flyer on a global guy at, at some point. And we'll see, uh, probably not this year, but maybe next year, some of those guys will start coming north and it'll pay off for teams. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let me ask you a question quick about the, you're talking, because we're talking about the global draft and how it has been over the past couple of years and Randy Ambrosius 2.0 and trying to get the CFL as, as much eyes on the CFL as possible. You know, there's been I think there's been a little bit of talk that the see that the global draft itself really has kind of lost its luster or kind of lost its way where you know the reasoning to to get these you know these guys who played in Germany and stuff like that not necessarily having the ties to the Alouettes or to any of the particular teams that purchased that, that sorry that draft them um, do you think that the the draft has kind of lost its way and it's gone a different direction and I mean because as I said it, it was originally set out there for a, for a reason. But it seemed to has has morphed into potentially. I guess I mean you still want to draft the best guys, but I mean it it, it seemed to be that it's, it 
especially maybe from Montreal, that it's we're drafting the best guys from from in this global draft that may have Quebec ties rather than the best guy that may be available. Yeah, I I think there's a couple of issues with the global program that that need to be addressed. At, and I think it took a step back this year in part because of the Montreal Alouettes, because they hired Greg Quick uh, to coach uh, their team. And uh, so we lost the global director of scouting position that he was holding last year that helped sort of accumulate all this talent for last year's global draft. Mm -hmm. Um, And they said they they were going to hire someone new for that position. They were in the process for a long time and they never did. Um, So uh, the people who are working on that have done, you know, have put their nose to the grindstone. Lawrence Hopper, who's sort of the, the, the lower level scout works very hard. I, I don't want to take away from any of the effort that those guys put in. Um, but it would have been nice to have someone actually in charge uh, of this process going into this year. And I think it suffered a little bit because of that uncertainty. Uh, the other thing is, I don't think people realize this. Um, like these European players, uh, they're not stupid. Uh, they know uh, what the value is here that they're getting. They they know how tough it is to get on the field. And they know uh, that at, at, as it currently stands, these global players make $11,000 less than the league minimum. They get a $54,000 Canadian contract, period, no change for three years. And as it stands now under the current CBA, uh, you cannot sign for any more of that, even if you exceed your 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 performance merit set. So, Theodric Hansen, you know, the star of the global program, is currently not under contract because if he were to sign right now, uh, he would have to sign for fifty four thousand dollars, eleven thousand dollars less than the minimum salary for any other player, despite the fact that he's an impactful special teamer, one of the best in the league at what he does, and a contributor on defense. Now, is he worth, you know, a tremendous amount of money in the big scheme of things, like a, a American starter or a Canadian starter? No, but he's worth more than less than the league minimum, and he knows it. Um, that, that's that's not a lot of money to live on, um, and so hopefully that'll get squared away in this CBA. But there's a lot of players in Europe who realize that there is no upward mobility here in terms of their salary structure uh, in the CFL. And where they're sitting now with things like the European League of Football, they can make you know, decent enough money playing football in Europe while being able to have other jobs. And it's a net benefit for them financially to not come to the CFL. So we've got stuck in this situation where some of the best players available are not coming to the league because the league decided to arbitrarily cap their salary. Wow, that is brutal. I was wondering about Hansen too because I thought he'd be uh, someone that the Alouettes should have pursued in free agency. But yeah, if he's, I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't be paying. I, I wouldn't want to p- play for less than what I'm worth. That's that's, that's crazy. Just, yeah. How do you, do you know, JC, how much they're making approximately in the European League? Uh, it it differs. Now, guys are not across the board making a a lot of money uh, per se, and and the higher end guys will make more, um, but they're making a, a decent chunk of change. And I talked to one guy who was supposed to be in the, in the global draft last year and then pulled out. Who's a very uh, high level player in Europe, a German guy who played at, at a high level U S school before he went back home to Europe yeah. uh, and was very successful there. And he said, look, like I can make, added money here playing uh, as one of the top players in the European league. They pay me you know, a decent amount every month. Uh, he, he didn't tell me exactly how much. And then I have a job on top of it that plays me, you know, 70,000 euros. So why would I come to Canada uh, to get paid 54,000 Canadian dollars? I'm losing money to do that. Um, you know, and, and these career careers are very short. These guys do want to pursue this but they need to have some promise that there's opportunity for them. In the case of a guy like Hanson, right, he wants to continue his career. He wants to sign. He's actively negotiating for it, but he can't re-sign for $54,000 because he can't live on that consistently. At that point, it's not worth it anymore. He's got to you know, move on uh, with the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's wild. It, it's unfortunate, and it was short-sighted by the league. I, I understand the incentive to want to cap these salaries low because teams pushed back against the idea of the global program in general. But if you want the global program to work, right, if you think uh, this idea has any merit, then it needs the best players in order to work. And mm. the best players are not going to come to the CFL for $54,000. And, th- and that's even just the best in Europe players. Forget about those top guys that are coming from the NCAA, right? Some yeah. of those guys will turn up their no- nose to it as well. So um, I-, I think it was short-sighted uh, to make it a hard cap. Is there, was there no, because you, you've totally blown my mind with this. I did not know about this. Is, is there not a, a loophole in a way where one of these global players can, because obviously a team will own a player's rights, but can't they release the guy and then re-sign him to a normal contract? Or is are there, I guess, there something against that in the CBA itself? Or Because you, you think there would be a way that that, that players that be, that start performing higher than what they should, what they're currently earning should be able to be paid what they're earned, even though they have a tag as, you know, as a global player. Because right now with all this stuff now, with the changing of the, of what is considered a Canadian again, you know, they're, they're making these changes for, you know, for these players that, uh, that, you know, that earn this title. You know, what's the difference between these two types of players? Unfortunately, the way it stands, if you want to make more than $54,000, you have to, to voluntarily, uh, renounce your global status. So you become an American, essentially. Mm. Um, which, for these guys, I mean, maybe eventually there'll be a guy who can, uh, you know, break through that barrier and is good enough who becomes a starter, where it wouldn't matter if he was counted as an American. Like, even for a guy like Hanson that's been super successful, uh, the value add or the roster stability for an American with 13 special teams tackles, it's not huge, right? Uh, he he'd be you know taking a hard cut from his uh, you know his stability in terms of his spot on the team yeah uh, in order to potentially make you know eleven thousand dollars more because he I, I can't imagine he'd get much more than than the minimum in that case yeah uh, if he lost his global status so um, it it needs to be addressed in the CBA hopefully it it is at the same time you know there's not a whole bunch of incentive from the players association standpoint uh, to fight for big change on this front, because it is such a small portion uh, of their player base uh, affects so few people. Um, And it's, uh, you know, I don't think everyone is, is necessarily in favor of it. So um, these players are in a bit of a rough situation uh, where I'm, I'm not sure how much people are actually advocating for them. Uh, on that front yeah it, it it really makes me wonder guys that if if it changes aren't made in the current up cba which now i'm going to for sure check and see if they make some modifications if this whole global thing will be dead if if there's there are no changes because you know cba is last anywhere from what two to five years depending on what league you're in so mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if, if the whole global thing will be dead if, if that's the case who knows yeah I, I i think it is it's struggling at this point uh to be entirely honest with you like that um, because uh, of some of the situation around it and because it's not a popular program among the, the football operations people, um, right? They, they don't like the fact that they have to uh, scout these global players and, and add these global players, uh, carry guys that maybe they don't think uh, would make the roster otherwise. Yeah. Now, I, I'm in favor of the program because I think it's good for growth overall of the sport. I think it behooves us as a league if we care about the sport to do things like this uh, just like we do with the canadian ratio um but i also think that there's come a, a point fairly quickly here where people realize that uh, some of the grand ideas associated with the global program in terms of how much revenue it might bring have been exaggerated right their sport is growing popularity all over the world uh but the NFL has a, you know, a monopoly on that, too. And I'm not sure how much actual revenue is out, out there. And right now, this program has only cost the league money. Uh, so I'm not sure even how long the supporters on the financial side mm-hmm. uh, will keep backing it if that's the case. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> All right. Well, back to the draft itself. Uh, 
do you JCC you know, what's possibly making any trades? Because I know trades are one of those things that are kind of hit and miss when it comes to like actual draft day trades. It doesn't have quite the same impact as does in the NFL. Do you see the Alouettes possibly trying to gain more gain draft picks for next year in exchange for letting a team move up or down as a case may be? You know, that's an interesting proposition there. Trades don't happen very often in the Canadian draft um, simply because there's not as much value in them. Uh, you're not snagging as many uh, uh, star guys that you need to jump in front of other people to grab. So they happen a little bit uh, occasionally, um, usually before the draft, um, but, but very rarely. But in this situation, um, maybe there is value to that because this is a what I would say is a, a weak draft overall for a lot of external reasons. It's not particularly deep in terms of the talent. Um, so guys where teams want to pick at the top of this draft, if you are hypothetically, say you're the Alouettes, and you actually don't like the guys who will be available to you at the top of the draft, you don't think Enoch McConza or the guys around him are going to have a major impact, and someone offers you a good package uh, to move into that spot with picks for next year, which is going to be a stronger draft, maybe there's value in moving back like that to accumulate capital next year. Now, the problem with that is, is draft capital in the CFL is not worth as much in the, as it is in the NFL because uh, the players are, are bigger gambles. They need time to develop. So I, I still doubt that it will happen. Uh, but anytime you can take more shots at good players and you can get more picks, it's better for you because, like I said, it's a gamble. It's a 50-50 shot. Uh, and the more times you get that 50-50 shot, the, the more likely it is you get good players. So. There is a, a strategy I could see there, uh, but I, I still doubt it will happen just based on the history of the, of the draft. Hmm. All right. And finally, everybody expects the Alouettes to draft all Quebec-born players or anyone with any sort of Francophone ties. Do you think there's just any possibility at all that Montreal, for whatever reason, decides not to do that? Or do you think it's just such a foregone conclusion that it's really just a formality at this point? I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Now, when I say that, I, I don't think they'll take a Francophone player with every single draft pick. That's, that's not what they've done in the past, even. Um, but I do think, like Danny Machocha said this week, uh, when you're sitting at that table on the clock and you've got two players very close, the Alouettes are always going to give the edge to the local guy. And they're honest about that. They'll admit that. Um, so that's going to happen again. It, it, it always does. And there'll be guys that they rank quite closely and they'll give the edge the, to the local guy. And as a result, they'll have probably more Quebec born players uh, out of this draft than guys who aren't Quebec born. And there's some validity uh, to that strategy. They, they've taken it to an extreme in the last two years, in, in my opinion. Um, but there are advantages like Danny Machucha talked about this week. And he does have extremely good insight into these players having recruited them and, and been around them through the university ranks. So um, if they feel like they can get uh, good value on a guy because Danny Machocha um, knows him very well, then more power to them. All right. Well, it's going to be exciting no matter what on Tuesday because, uh, like I said, all the NFL or the all the CFL teams, they're going to be making moves to better themselves, the Alouettes included, and – I know, like I said, a lot of people, Tim included, you know, can kind of take or leave the draft. But I think this is truly, truly where you get to see where the work that your team does and the direction that they plan to be going in over the next couple of years. Absolutely. It it really matters because this is the meat and potatoes of your roster. And you can set yourself up for the future and, and your long-term strategy. One, one thing that I think isn't being talked about enough with this draft is that there's a potential in the talks about the CBA that we'll get a pretty important rule change. Even if the ratio stays the same, there's a lot of people wanting it to go. So there's a minimum of three um, on defense and a minimum of three on offense in terms of starters. Well, a lot of teams aren't set up with their roster uh, to make that happen. So if you're one of those teams and you know that's a possibility, in this draft you go more heavily on defense. Do you think the value is there? Do you reach on guys uh, to try and put yourself in a position where 
you're prepared if that change takes place. I think that's a really fascinating dynamic. Uh, and you see how teams are going to be strategizing in that regard through who they pick in this draft. All right. Well said. JC, we can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at the JC Abbott. That's capital T J C uh, and A. Um, I don't really do the the whole Instagram thing, uh, so just follow me on Twitter. All right, and of course, by all means, check them out over at Three Down Nation. They do great work over there, especially when it comes to the draft stuff. I remember seeing your stuff when you were with the Ratio Breaker. Absolutely outstanding. Like I still use a lot of that stuff as reference and. Pretty much what you say I can take to the bank, and I think pretty much anyone else, even if you just have like sort of a middling interest in the draft, I think pretty much anything that they that you say, you can back up, and you can pretty much take it as, as well, gospel, quite frankly. <laughs> I really appreciate that. That that warms my heart to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, JC, and uh, here's hoping for a great draft night on Tuesday. Fingers crossed. Well, just as I said at the beginning of the, uh, right before we had the interview, yeah, he JC brought it. <laughs> he 100%. really did, man. I, I learned, I, as I said, I'm not a big guy uh, on the draft, but I learned quite a bit. And, you know, yeah, you did pretty well yourself, too. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, I, I, I get it. I'm, I get not everybody appreciates the draft for what it is. But, I mean, if you think of it strictly as looking to where the future of your football franchise is going, then that's why it, it behooves you to at least pay a little bit of attention to where where it's going so i mean you know jc realizes that and he you know dropped a lot of knowledge that you know there's some stuff that i was pretty much on board with and then some he dropped a few things that made me think a little bit twice now too so now i mean folks quite frankly i i am stoked for for the draft tomorrow uh like i said i got a horrible feeling of how it's going to go in some respects but i'm really curious to see what montreal does if they do kind of decide to throw everybody for a loop and not go all Quebec-born players. But, yeah. I, I, again, I, I still can't help but think that they'll do it if only just to troll everybody. And listen, <laughs> if you end up getting some – there's some. There's still, don't get me wrong. You probably could do an entire draft class again of all Quebec-born players, and they're all a very – they would all be very good players. But I personally just want to see a, just a little bit of variety. I – I don't know. I like I, there's a lot of players I look at. And I'm like, oh gosh, can we just like invent some sort of like you know grandparent in Quebec or something like that just to justify it? Something, anything, but well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Well, here's the question I want to ask you: What are you more uh, hyped for, or potential drama hype for? The regular draft, the territorial picks, or the supplemental draft? <laughs> Wow. Well, Montreal doesn't get a territorial pick, so it's a little hard to get excited about No, that. but the stuff that we heard from JC after the fact, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think the global draft, it's going to be interesting because, once again, Montreal has the first overall pick. So, I mean. Who would have thought two first-round draft picks this year? <laughs> Dude, I mean, this is outstanding. <laughs> I don't know. I, like I said, no. I, I'm really, I'm no really excited. Needed. Nope. No. I mean, we <laughs> the past is the past, and now we're looking forward, and that's the important thing. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So the question you really have to ask is: Is it noon yet? Because that's exactly when the the global draft is going to be on Tuesday. Yeah. At noon. So I say, is it noon yet? <laughs> hashtag. Well, hashtag. Is it noon yet? <laughs> Yippee, yippee, yippee. Um, yeah, so it should be fun. As I said, I'll, you know, I'm not, uh, same thing. I'm. By the way, just people should know this already, but I'm going to mention it again. I'm not a big guy on the NFL draft either. So it's, you know, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. but still, you're, you're looking to see who your team picks up. I just couldn't name, you know, not, I'm not like Cliff who, or, who can name these guys off. Or JC, wow, the work that he does. I'm just blown away. I really, really am. Mm-hmm. Just blown away by it, but yeah. Either way, it should be fun. It should be fun to see what's going to happen tomorrow. 
Uh, just to remind everybody, besides on Twitter, uh, there are other places you can find us on social media. Uh, one of the best places is to find out all of the historical archive for the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is by heading over to alouettesflightdeck.ca. Don't forget, also, we have us on Instagram. That's uh, Alouette's Flight Deck. Facebook, that's Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. Uh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. So, uh, currently, you still have to search for us uh, at, at Alouette's Flight Deck. But with a little bit of promo that we did over this past week, we were getting closer and closer. I think we're within 20. I actually think we're within 20. So it means we're, we're we're twenty subscribers away from giving away that awesome satin jacket. Yeah, we are twenty one, twenty one lucky subscribers away, dedicated subscribers away who want a free who want some free swag. Oh, there you go. I mean, listen, folks, I, I, I'll keep telling you till I'm blue in the face. Like you gotta head on over. You gotta find Yellowwood's flight deck on YouTube. You gotta hit that subscribe button because again, that's all I gotta do. That's all it's gonna take for you to possibly win the beautiful satin retro jacket, brand spanking new with tags. I even. know, man. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not getting some hand me downs here. You're getting a brand new jacket. That's right. We want you and to rep. Gorgeous. We want you to rep it with us while we're in stadium. One hundred percent. And if you're not in the Montreal area, we still want you to be a part of this. Like, this, that's what it's all about. I mean, folks, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like, tell your friends, t- tell your coworkers, tell your family, tell anybody who will listen that they got to get on <laughs> and subscribe to the Alouette's flight deck. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and- already, like, we're, we've got some ideas in mind that we want to do. We want, Yes, I know right now, maybe listening to a podcast on YouTube isn't exactly the most interesting thing, but we've got ideas. We've got irons in the fire that we want to get going with. And it'll be a hell of a lot easier if people can find us by going to youtube.com slash Alouette's flight deck. That's the hope. That's yeah. the plan. And the, and the news, the news, help. the news that I told Cliff today, if, if this thing co- goes through, Oh boy. Oh yeah, boy. I mean, I mean, we want to increase that video presence. I mean, again, I've said I've got a face for podcasting, but still, we want to get out there. We want to provide video content in addition to our audio content. So we need your help, folks. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. But, dude, you know, you may face for face for podcast. The thing is, for you to be open enough to show your naked chest over over a year year span. For you know, on your on your uh, on your fight against the poundage that you were able to take off, you're good. You're good, buddy. I'm just saying, like you know. And I didn't. I, I, I didn't know. Clearly, you did that, by the way. So, congrats on you, man. Congrats. That's not. I'm sure it wasn't easy. Oh my gosh! I mean, that was that. And again, I, I I was motivated. I was inspired, and you know, it's. There, there was a goal in mind for that, yeah. and like I'm like ten years later, I'm I'm still like wow, this is this was such a journey, and it's it's incredible. So I mean, I appreciate the co- the kind comments and everything like that, but I mean that's really what it comes down to is just you got to do the work, and that's what we want to do for you folks too is we want to do the work and provide amazing content. But exactly. Yeah. Um, also, we we're talking about before. Speaking of merch. We have some new items, some some new lines available currently at our merch store. That's at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. Um, it is the uh, Loge Retro line and the Champs Patch 70 line. Uh, the set, the that one for that one being an homage and a. Not really an homage. I guess it's it's a recreation of the patch, the 1970 Grey Cup Champions patch that the Alouettes wore in 1971. Mm-hmm. And then and then our our other one, the 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 Loge retro line. I love that one. That one's pretty sweet too. But yeah, head over there, and for the time being, you get 10 percent off with the code Launch 22, and that's through the 8th of May. So if you're listening to this through the 8th of May. You get 10% off on the entire store just by using the code LAUNCH22. It's not just t-shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got 
coffee mugs. We got pillows. We've got masks even if you still want to make sure you're staying safe, even though mask mandates are probably going to be going away pretty soon. Mm-hmm. As far as trying to you know just stay fashionable and stay safe, there's as far as I'm concerned, there's no better way to do that than with uh, an Alouette's flight deck mask. But I mean, like, take a look at the store, folks. I mean, there's I like to think there's something for everybody, man, woman, and child. So check it out. And if there's you not got the promo code, yeah. And if, and if there's not, let us know, and we'll see if we can get it there. Absolutely. So so you know we we appreciate each and everybody's uh, support. People that have purchased from the past, and if you're just looking to get some new swag, tell you what, we we would appreciate immensely. If you decide to go that way, and you know, if you if you order now, I can't promise it'll get here by training camp. But if it does, how cool would that be to go to training camp and see Alouette's flight deck merch on other people besides you and me? Exactly, for sure, for sure, man. Uh, lastly, uh, before we head off, because as I said, it was a, a slow week. Um, I did reach out, by the way, Cliff, to the boutique because, as everybody knows, the Alouettes uh, launched or unveiled their new helmets last week. And we're seeing if they currently had an ETA uh, on when these new potential mini helmets would be available in boutique. Uh, At the moment, they are currently on order, but there is no ETA yet on when they will be available. So it looks like you won't be able to have one before training camp. But I would imagine that uh, getting closer to the beginning of the regular season uh, or, or within the first couple of weeks of the, of the regular season, they will be available for you to purchase. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I know, I know the boutique's supposed to be getting a whole bunch of new Alouettes merchandise as well, which would be awesome. You know, make sure you give those guys support as well. And let's say if you're into mini helmets, uh, by all means, uh, I mean, I, I think it'll be a lot easier to produce than uh, what the the previous uh, oh yeah, 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 he- yeah. helmet design was. So yeah, you know, I get the logistics may you know were, were a little bit difficult in the past, but I imagine now it would have to be a lot easier. So I mean, if you're if you're one of those types that like to collect the mini helmets of all the CFL teams, make sure you add the Alouettes one to your collection now. Exactly. Listen, lo- love it or hate it, it's here now. So I mean, you may as well embrace it, enjoy it. <laughs> Drink it in, folks. <laughs> exactly. So we will be back next week at our regular time. So expect us uh, the, the normal taping on Wednesday. Uh, so expect the show to be out either on Wednesday or Thursday of next week. Uh, and we're hoping to have another uh, another guest with us next week, leading up to the beginning of training camp. Wow, it's it's coming up so quickly. I love it. I, do I too. love it. I do too. Hey. And, uh, Go, go. And, and to every, and to all the uh, the youngsters out there that are listening that are draft eligible, best of luck. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> and, if and if you're not drafted, don't stop working because. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you've said it. I did. You I did. did. Come on, you can't tell me we weren't gonna we weren't gonna get a, that reference with you saying that. Come on, come <laughs> on. Uh, I suppose I set it up. I I, I, I was surprised you said it. I don't think that's what you were trying to say, but I had. <laughs> I think it worked out perfectly. Uh, so yes, if you're if you're draft eligible and you're not drafted, do not worry because you, undrafted free agency does exist in the Canadian Football League as well. You right. may still get that training camp invite. Don't stop working. Exactly. Agree with you, sir. I agree with you. So, uh, we, again, we'll speak to you guys next week. Any uh, any comments, questions, concerns, please reach out to us on social media. But for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.